0: Welcome to the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Cheryl K. Chumley, a veteran, award winning journalist, and best selling author of the brand new book Lockdown The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. And Cheryl Chumley, welcome to The Schilling Show Unleashed.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back with you, Rob.
0: You know, we talk about a socialist plan in the title, and it seems to me, and it's really very hard to say this, but that America is embracing socialism. Do you see that?
1: I do see that, and actually in my um, second-to-last book, the one right before lockdown, it was entitled Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. I talk about how socialism has been seeping into America's culture and politics for decades now, uh, and it's really sped up under the former Barack Obama presidency. We just don't call it socialism yet. We're not as open, but if we started calling things what they were, I think, I think Americans would be shocked at how much socialism is already in America.
0: You talk a lot in the beginning of the book, a really a several very harrowing stories about your own experience with the medical establishment. Uh, it seems we can no longer trust doctors and maybe we never should have.
1: Yeah, you know, doctors are smart, right? They're smart people. They're experts in their various um, areas of study. And I do have great respect for the medical community. But I don't have such great respect for the medical community that I'm willing to give up my own individual rights to determine my own health choices. I'm not ready to just turn over my body and tell the medical community, have at it, you know best. Because in the end, I think all of us have either been subjected to wrong diagnoses from medical professionals or know somebody who has. That's why there's such a common thing in this country called a second choice, right? You get a second medical opinion to confirm what the first doctor tells you. And so that alone is common sense.
0: I have grave concerns over the medical establishment itself and and whether or not and I think this is almost a rhetorical question whether or not they're looking out for individuals best interest.
1: You know, a lot of them are, right? But let's face it, there are a lot of doctors out there who are really egomaniacs and they are so believing in their own intelligence that they're not willing to entertain the fact that they could be wrong or that their own patients may have better ways of doing things, of approaching medical decisions than they themselves do. So I think that's problematic in the medical community, but it's particularly problematic when we as American citizens allow somebody like a a medical bureaucrat, like Anthony Fauci, to practically dictate
0: policy to us for over two years. So why would we be willing to do that? In, in other words, what has happened to the American pushback? I mean, we certainly saw a lot of this in previous decades, but it seemed to be almost absent, or at least culturally absent, during these lockdowns.
1: Fear right? I mean, in a word, that's what happened. Everybody in the political world was telling us we didn't know what this was. We didn't know the extent of its dangers and risks. But very quickly, we learned that this virus, like most viruses, impact those with certain other medical health ailments and risks already, vulnerabilities. For instance, we knew early on that it was Obese who had um, much to worry about this virus, and the elderly, much to worry about this virus. But for younger people in particular, they didn't have to worry so much. And yet the fear kept going forward. And that's when proper science and medical diagnosis turned into a political tool for the left. And this is why I wrote Lockdown, because the Democrats and the globalists really seized on the coronavirus to continue fueling fear in order to justify controls on the American people. And sad to say, the American people were too willing to allow that fear to steamroll over their constitutional liberties.
0: How did we get there? Again, this used to be a nation that was built on almost fearlessness of individuals and people willing to fight back. So what happened over the ensuing years that turned us into such wimps?
1: Well, where do we originally get our ideas of exceptionalism in this country and our boldness from the idea that our individual rights come from God and that government was only there in a subservient role to preserve and maintain those rights already granted by a creator? So if you look at what's taken place in this country, particularly in the last few years, we've grown more and more secular. And as our country grows more and more secular, it's no coincidence. That government has stepped in to fill that void. So the fact that we've turned from God in a nation built on an idea that rights come from God, common sense outcome of that is that we have grown more fearful because we are waiting for government to tell us what to do.
0: Yeah, it's almost like the government has has become God to a lot of people. And it's a frightening thing, because as you mentioned, the rights come from God. As soon as government becomes God, then government can start taking away the so-called rights or adding things in like the right to health care or the right to housing, which do not exist.
1: Right. And this is where the socialism creeps in, right, which very quickly leads to communism and cultural Marxism. And ultimately, the battle here is against collectivism, because if we're a nation where rights come from God, that's, an, uh, that's a nation of individualism. But where communists go, where they want a country to lead, is away from God, because God gets in the way of the citizens worshiping government,
0: We have collectivism on display here, I think, in health. In other words, let's look at the mask mandates when people were insisting that not only they wear a mask, but they wanted everybody else to do what they were doing. That's right on display
1: that really is the big peril the big concern that Americans need to realize the mindset shift that took place under the coronavirus for 2 years it used to be in this country every every year say when flu season would roll around the government would offer the option to get the flu shot, right? Health clinics in your local community would provide flu shots, and you, as a citizen, would have the option to go in and get the flu shots, protect yourself, perhaps protect your family members, and say your child was sick with the flu. You kept your child home from school. It was your decision. But under the coronavirus, everything got flipped. Suddenly, it became your patriotic duty, and the government actually used that language. They redefined what it meant to be a patriot in America. It came your patriotic duty to wear a face mask not so much to protect yourself but to protect others and then when the science and studies showed that the face mask didn't really do anything to prevent the spread of the coronavirus it didn't matter it just made people feel better so you were supposed to as a good american citizen wear the face mask to make other people feel better same thing with the vaccines with the shots even if you didn't want one it was your patriotic duty to get that shot so this is the big peril that we now face in America instead of making decisions for ourselves based on our own health determinations we're supposed to take into consideration other people's feelings when we go to make our own private personal medical decisions and that's a dangerous uh, mindset shift
0: this uh, subversion of the word patriotism is so interesting to me and I'm glad that you brought this up in the book Because uh, to this group, uh, to the Democrats generally, but to the Biden crowd, uh, patriotism has become a dirty word. In other words, they don't love America or exhibit patriotism towards the country generally. They're opposite of that. But all of a sudden, they march this word out. I found that really interesting.
1: The left is really good at redefining words. And patriotism is one of those words that, as you just correctly pointed out, they made into a dirty label. If you were a patriot, you were also racist or misogynist or hateful. They did that with MAGA too, with with MAGA supporters and the phrase America First. That that was all uh, wound up in the same dirty, ugly phrases and labels. And then after they made patriot into a negative word, they redefined it to make patriot into somebody who obeys the government without question, without critically thinking. And this is where we're at right now in America: that if you call yourself a patriot, if it's not the Democrat redefining of the word patriot, then you are somebody who is automatically deemed racist. And the new patriots in America are those who obey government without questioning authority.
0: I want to ask you, because it seems to me that the politicization of this pandemic was a direct strike at taking down President Trump, who was a real challenge to the globalists and to the socialists in America. Do you see it that way?
1: Absolutely. And I do go in um, early on in lockdown. I talk about Trump's role in shutting down the country and and ceding what I consider too much of a public platform to the medical bureaucrats like Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks. But at the same time, no matter what Trump did and the left planned this early on, no matter what he decided to do early on with the coronavirus, they had already determined to resist him and to call him out as putting American lives in danger. Trump tried to make common sense responses to the coronavirus. He tried to shut borders. He tried to shut borders in particularly to those traveling from China. And for that, he was deemed racist. He was deemed silly for, for taking what the left had early on labeled as incongruous consequential actions. He tried to fund um, immediately BD vaccine development. And for that, he was deemed unsafe of actually taking actions that would put American citizens' lives at risk. Because if you go back in time, remember, the Democrats didn't want to take the Mm vaccines because Trump was the one under Operation Warp Speed who developed them, and they wanted to mark him as being unsafe. Of course, these very same vaccines, as soon as Joe Biden came in the office, they deemed them safe, and they they forced vaccines into Americans' arms. But early on in Trump administration, they tried to paint him as being uh, damaging to uh, America. So basically, Trump was in a rock and a hard place.
0: The Schilling Show Unleash podcast continues in a moment with Cheryl K Chumley and the book Lockdown. Support this podcast online at
2: schillingshow.com.
0: Looking out for us. Rob. Shrub. Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. We return with Cheryl K. Chumley. The new book is Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. I want to go to something that has kind of been lost to history, but I think you spend time in the book on it appropriately. This whole issue of contact tracing, that was the beginning of something very, very bad, and it has not gone away.
1: It hasn't. In fact, it's quietly grown. And look, the... Contact tracing in itself is not bad. It's actually a good medical practice, and it used to mean that, say, you went in your doctor's office and you tested positive for something. Well, the doctor would want you to contact those people that you had come into contact with and alert them so they themselves could get tested. That's just basic common-sense contact tracing, but add technology into the mix like the government has done, like the CDC, like Bill Gates has done, and the leftists and globalists have pushed, and it becomes a big government surveillance program, and this is what has taken place. There was a congressman, Bobby Rush, from Illinois, who introduced early on legislation that was Contact Trace Everyone Act, and what it was, it was H.R. 666. which is an interesting number Mm -hmm. in itself. But what it was was $100 billion annually to basically put in place a system to contact, trace everybody. And where that money has gone, well, the piece of legislation didn't pass in itself, but Democrats have piecemealed it. And if you look at, for instance, your college campuses nowadays, in many college campuses, as a condition for your child returning to campus, he or she has to download on his or her smartphone, an app that allows the administration on campus to track their movements wherever they go. And if they come into contact with somebody who was tested positive for the coronavirus, then it gives them a ping that alerts them to go get tested themselves. And if they test positive, they have to immediately quarantine. And then they also have to sign paperwork saying that they will abide and obey the administrators deemed safe best medical practices for defeating the coronavirus on campus. So they can't attend any event in groups larger than 10. I don't know why 10, I don't know why not nine or 11, but this is how the science has rolled on the coronavirus. And if they do, or if they notice somebody else has, they can anonymously tattletale on that person. And that person can be booted from campus forever Also, they don't get a refund on their tuition. So these are things that are taking place on college campuses right now in America based on contact tracing, and that is just the tip of the iceberg with this.
0: You know, we had a lot of problems here at the University of Virginia. You also mentioned JMU in the book. And I know people who lost everything. I mean, they they had to drop out because they were not about to get the shot. And they were forced to do so if they wanted to remain. There was a lot of egregious things that took place at the hands of these universities.
1: My son was um, at JMU. And he dropped out because it got to the point they wanted all the students to stay in their rooms and take classes online on their laptops. But, of course, there was no break in the tuition or or any cost for that. So he figured, why am I going to do this when I can just go home and study uh, and save on housing costs? And then he also refused to go back to campus after JMU mandated that not only did you have to have the vaccine, but you also had to wear face masks even though you had the vaccine vaccine, even outside, even walking alone outside, Mm -hmm. and you also had to download the contact tracing app, agree to random testing, and so forth and so on. That led me to study what was going on at other campuses, which is very similar at other campuses around the nation, some better, some worse in terms of freedom.
0: This was really such a big delusion, you know, for them to say you have to get the vaccine because that's going to protect you and others, and then tell them that they had to wear masks, which was admitting the vaccine was at least partially worthless. Um, how do they reconcile those two things, or did anyone even ask the question?
1: I mean, I certainly haven't been asking for a very long time. And also, the other issue with that is that. When these vaccines, and and let's put vaccines in quotation marks, because the CDC did come out, uh, strangely enough, during the two years of this coronavirus and redefine what vaccine was, right? Vaccine, by most common sense understanding, protects you from getting the disease or the virus. Well, vaccine now is only defined as helping to protect you. So there's a difference. There's a very uh, large difference in what vaccines nowadays are defined to do. That being said, early on, when Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and BioNTech and so forth came out and they developed uh, their vaccines in air quotes, they were all touted with efficacy rates of like 90%, 95%. They were supposed to be miracle shots. Well, fast forward just a couple months, a few months, even now, the efficacy rates for some of these have fallen to like 40%, which is why you had Anthony Fauci early on talking about, well, we need boosters, not just one booster. But in some cases, three boosters, four boosters, boosters every six months for the rest of your life, depending on what age group you're in. So how is this preventing the spread of the coronavirus? That's one question. But second off, why is it even needed when we know at this point 99% of people who get the coronavirus recover? without any serious health impacts. So these are red flags that have been raised all along and that we are supposed to actually ignore. We are supposed to participate in this big lie or else be deemed unpatriotic.
0: We talked, Cheryl, about the contact tracing. We talked about the technology and the tracking. And I saw this morning, just coincidental to this interview, that there is now a self-reporting COVID test, uh, which will automatically report your results to the government. And I found that just frightening.
1: It is frightening. You have to ask who's getting access to this data. But the bigger question here, again, you don't have to be a scientist. This is common sense. When in American history do we all rush to medical clinics to be tested for something that we don't feel sick Mm -hmm. over. Do we do this during the flu season? Every time the flu season run around, did American citizens rush to the local CVS or Walgreens to go through the drive-through pharmacy window to subject themselves to a test to see if they were positive for flu, even though they didn't feel sick? No. Sickness was defined as you feel sick, so you go to the doctors and find out what you have. So this is new. This is new, and what it does is just feed into this big mass hysteria that we have in this country where... Everybody is testing positive for the coronavirus or one of the variants, but we're forgetting the bigger question. So what? Because a positive test means nothing, right? The only thing that that means, a case count, a positive case count, you have to put that in context to those who have tested positive versus those who fully recover versus those who die or are hospitalized with some serious health ailment and under this virus we know that most people recover on their own and the other thing is this is how viruses work. You could walk around all day long with a virus in your system, and you don't feel sick, but you can give that virus to someone else. And where it's a health risk, uh, compromised immune systems, the elderly, right? This is how viruses spread all throughout human history. But it's all of a sudden under this coronavirus that we're supposed to regard a big threat walking about and not testing ourselves to find out if we may infect somebody else with a virus that isn't isn't even making us feel sick.
0: There was another very diabolical aspect of all of this, and this was used as a leverage attack on the church, Christianity, and the ability to fellowship.
1: That is a huge, um, huge, and really underreported outcome because that should be front page news everywhere to this day the idea that churches would bow down to a government demand to shut their doors as government was making the case that churches should not be treated any differently than marijuana dispensaries than entertainment venues than retail shops in a country that was founded on a quest for religious freedom, in a country where God-given rights relies on the ability of citizens to keep God at the forefront, and in a country where, with a First Amendment that guarantees the right to free, freely worship but doesn't guarantee a right to purchase marijuana or go to Walmart, that's the big peril in America because, again, communists, communist countries want to remove the church and god because that's their big wall to getting the worship of the people for the government
0: and there was another direct attack and this one would be on capitalism and free markets and i don't know that we're ever going to recover from that one
1: yes because the left has successfully weaponized the free market against us the left While recognizing that the government doesn't have the right to force private businesses to make citizens get vaccines. And while the government recognizes that the government didn't have the right to force citizens to wear face masks uh, 24-7 or to get shots, the government put pressure on private businesses to do that. Private businesses in America became the tool of the government bureaucrats in the medical community. You would have health departments in local communities making sure that private businesses shut their doors or required those entering to wear face masks or required those customers coming in to show ownership or restaurant owners uh, proof of vaccine. And I agree with you. I don't know how we're ever going to recapture the spirit of entrepreneurship and actual free market freedoms in this country when we've already gone down the road toward allowing businesses to dictate that employees have to get a shot or wear a face mask and customers as conditions of entering their shops have to do the same
0: You have a chapter, and this is so important to make the connection, climate and how this ties in is now being declared as a health emergency. Where do you see that going?
1: Well, I just reported on this in the Washington Times, uh, one of my commentaries, two or three weeks ago. The link is already being made by the left. In the journal Nature, there were a couple of scholars who wrote in, a couple of scientists once again, who drew a direct link between climate change and more viruses are coming. What their line of logic was that as humans develop and populate the earth and as humans go about building in areas that haven't been previously developed, that is going to relocate animals. The The animal populations are going to have to move and find new homes and they're going to be brought closer into proximity with humans. And since animals oftentimes carry viruses, that's going to expose humans to more viruses. And once again, people will die, people will die. So their idea, their logic, is that we have to address climate change now by limiting development, or else we're going to get more viruses impacting the human population, and people will die.
0: Cheryl, what do you think are the two or three big takeaways that we should glean from this experience with the lockdowns?
1: You have to say no early on. You have to make sure that government bureaucrats stay in their subservient roles as advisors. Never should government be able to force American citizens to give up liberties as justification for saving people as justification for safety and security. So that's one of the big takeaways, that liberty has to stay on top of government medical advisements. Uh, we, We can't allow Anthony Fauci, unelected bureaucrats, to tell us what to do any longer. They should just be kept in the role of advisors. And second off, we have to realize that the bigger battle in America has always been, and will always be, the fight to keep God-given liberties alive. It's always a battle over the idea that our individual rights come from God, and government is only there to support and maintain that ideal. Everything else is just a skirmish. Everything else is just the left's way of whacking away at the bigger chunk of liberty, which is
0: God. Cheryl, if people would like to get a copy of your new book, Lockdown the Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom, or to follow your work online, tell us how they do that.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, well, I have a website, CherylChumley.com, and I have the links to. Um to Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Amazon to purchase my books there. And you can also find me at Washington Times Daily. I write commentaries, and I have a uh, twice-weekly podcast, Bold and Blunt. You can sign up and, and follow my work there. Or you can find me on Twitter or Parlor at uh, C.K. Chumley.
0: Cheryl Chumley, thank you so much for your ongoing efforts to save America, and thanks for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That concludes another edition of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at SchillingShow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time...